How we doing, people? Welcome back to Life with Football, Kyle Smith, Platform Sports League. We got a great episode, a great story. Um, I guess Brad Niemeyer is a former walk-on defensive lineman at Purdue and um, basically grew into and transitioned into the founder of A-Zip Pizza, uh, a great Midwestern, um, different style uh, pizza chain, if you will, and um, Purdue is connected and football is connected all into the his business ventures, uh, which is really cool. He's got a great story. He's one of the guests that I thought of immediately, and I told him this when I created this uh, podcast in my mind as far as telling stories like his, right? Utilizing um, Purdue, uh, utilizing football and transferring those skills and, and what he learned and how he grew into his professional life. Um, so Brad was a student at Purdue, uh, the Cranard School of Business, wins a business contest and and receives, you know, almost startup money in a way uh, for his pizza chain, for his pizza um, uh, idea, I guess, if you will. And I'll obviously let him tell you about that. But um, just a, a really cool story in the transfer from sports and football into the business life. He is growing around the Midwest with his pizza chain, and uh, it's just really cool to see his success and follow his journey. And um, so listen, I appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to get right to it. Brad Niemeyer, Life with Football. Stay tuned. You know, I haven't I haven't caught any episodes yet, but I've seen a couple times. Have you, have you done a few interviews and podcasts? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. They, uh, they're fun. They're, I mean, it just kind of allows you to like, if they're 45 minutes long, it's a lot longer than most interviews kind of are. So you can kind of expand on things and just talk through things a little more. And they're, they're a lot of fun. Right. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I love, man. And like I said, I truly, when I was texting you, I was like, I truly had you in mind as like the stories that I kind of wanted to go mm-hmm. through, you know what I mean? The football experience and then moving that into real life and kind mm-hmm. of getting into all that. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Right. so Brad Niemeyer, man, welcome mm-hmm. to the podcast. Life Thank with you. football. Yeah. Good glad to be here. Excited. Awesome. I, um, give us an idea, you know, basically my first question always is kind of a quick introduction, who you are, the elevator speech kind of, and then we'll get into kind of comic comic book number one, kind of chapter one on your Perfect. background. So, Yeah, I'm Brad Niemeyer, a former walk-on defensive tackle at Purdue. Um, played at Purdue for four years from 2008 to 2012. Uh, after that, I, uh, my senior year, I entered a business plan competition with an idea for a pizza company. So I'm sure we'll get into more of that later, but, uh, but started that right out of college um, and have grown that now to 10 locations called AZIP Pizza. Um, and, uh, and so that's been my pursuit the last eight years or so since college has, has been over. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got two kids, two boys, uh, three-year-old, almost four-year-old and an almost two-year-old. So Sam and Gideon. So uh, life is, uh, is full right now. There's a lot going on. So what kind of, I mean, starting off real quick, I mean, what kind of kid were you growing up? Just revolving around sports, I guess, but just in general. Yeah, I, uh, I think I'm a lot, I was a lot like my, uh, my oldest son, Sam. So he is, uh, he is a wild one uh, into every sport, um, loves throwing the ball, loves wrestling around, uh, loves doing all that stuff. And I think I was a lot like him. Um, probably didn't listen as well as my parents would have liked. Uh, you know, I had an older brother as well. And so, um, definitely was, uh, was getting beat up on by him, but, you know, learned to take it and learned to, you know, wait, bide my time and get my shots in when I could. So oh, how, how much older than you was your brother? He was only 15 months older than me. So oh, wow. I quickly okay. uh, surpassed him in size, uh, but that didn't mean, you know, he's still older brother. And so he always is a little craftier than I was. No doubt. Mine's two years basically, but mm-hmm. and I, we can get into that too, because I don't know. I feel like the value of an older brother, especially as an mm-hmm. athlete and growing up and just the competition is just unmatched in my opinion. But uh, yeah. And, and I, I think especially, um, not just like him, but his friends. I mean, we would always be doing, you know, pickup games, basketball, throwing the football, and you're just constantly competing against older kids. Right. Um, and so when you have an older sibling, I think that definitely helps. Absolutely. You, um, and th- this is why I like my podcast too, because I get to ask selfish questions. So you're, my son's three, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to like 
interject the sport slowly, mm-hmm. obviously not be overbearing, yep. but it's like back to the dinosaurs <laughs> and back to the other stuff, like immediately. So uh-huh. what age, like, well, how does that happen? You know what I mean? You said your son's into sports and how yeah. did that work for you guys? So with my oldest one, he, he was into sports just from day one. It seemed like, I mean, he was, when he was, um, you know, one and a half or so he was already throwing stuff i mean you just tell he would just you know launch his passy launches toy whatever he had we'd be in church and he'd throw a, a passy three rows up you know he nice. he was uh he's just always been throwing things so that i think came pretty naturally to him um my younger one gideon um it doesn't seem to be taken to it as much and you know you never know that might change as as they sure. grow up but uh yeah, from the from the get go, Sam was just all into it. And so this year he got his first year T ball, you know, all the stereotypes of kids playing in the dirt and all that stuff is all 100 percent awesome. Awesome. I can't wait for that stuff. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So, OK, so let's fast forward a little bit because there's a lot in teenage and, and mm-hmm. young 20 life that I want to get into. But so fast forward, let's fast forward to high school. Uh, okay. So modern day. Uh huh. What? And I didn't know, I thought, obviously, Evansville area. I didn't know, mm-hmm. I don't know much about the area. So yep. give me an idea. So modern day is, was, is a two-way school, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's the, it's the smallest high school in modern day that's in the SIAC. So you were always playing the bigger schools all right. year long. And so that's usually a big advantage once you get to the playoffs. Um, and so we play rights and uh, Central always has a good team in Castle, and there's a lot of good good athletes and good teams down here. So we get, uh, you know, we'll, we hold our own, but take our lumps during the season. Sure, um, sure. But then we're always really prepared to uh, to go out and play all the other 2A schools. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So give me a little idea of football culture or yep. in that town there, kind of, you know, as a freshman just growing up through high school, what was that like yeah. for you guys? Yeah, so I grew up in a um, – it's pretty cool because I grew up uh, watching – um, kind of two offenses that were very similar and Purdue's offense at the time with Breeze um, and those guys who threw it around a ton and modern day took a lot from that I think um, and they were running a lot of the same plays that Purdue was running at the time um, so we had two shift to two brothers that were back to back you know probably for six years in a row we had the shift brothers at quarterback and they set all kinds of state records for passing um, and we're just a ton of fun to watch and really, I think, got helped get me into football and get me excited about it. I mean, those Friday nights um, were some some awesome games to go watch. There were some classics there um, between modern day and our West Side rival rights. Um, you know, the, the bowl there is is huge and it can they pack it in for those modern day rights games are a ton of fun. I got I got to check one out. Down mm-hmm. They're awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be yeah. cool. So when did so when did you start playing football, I guess, like organized football? Yeah, I started playing and I think uh, EGFL Evansville Junior Football League starts in the second grade here. So nice. uh, that was my introduction. I remember playing right from the start. I think I sat one year out uh, whenever I was still coming up to the ranks. I think I was in like, I don't know, sixth or seventh grade and, and played fall ball one year. And that was about the only time I didn't play football. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. When did you get your first varsity rep on varsity? Yeah. So every year, um, the freshman team, they get usually pull up one or two guys to dress for the playoffs. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so luckily I was one of those guys um, who got pulled up. And so I've always said this anytime, the first time you see a game from the sidelines at the like next level up from right. where you're at is just an incredible experience. <laughs> like it is just, like the speed, the size, the, you know, it's just like seeing that next level is just, it's just always incredible. And so uh, I'll always remember that, that playoff game um, and, uh, and watching that. And so I obviously didn't play in that game, but then sure. um, I ended up starting my first game my sophomore year at center. Um, and that was down in Owensboro. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it take, it's an adjustment getting used to the speed. I, I sure. mean, it just is completely different every time you step up a level. No doubt. No doubt. That's, that's a good point too. Like anytime for your first time on that sideline, regardless mm-hmm. of that level, it's, it's a new world for sure. Yeah. So I've you always were, wanted to watch an NFL game from the sideline for that reason, because I've never seen one and I just right. can't imagine how they must be just flying around. No doubt. And sometimes you forget, like we were in the, mm-hmm. you know, Purdue world and the Big Ten world and you kind of get used to it. Mm-hmm. And then I come back, you know, years later and you're on the mm-hmm. sideline, you forget like literally how big these dudes are yeah. and fast and how crazy things mm-hmm. are. For so sure. cool. So you were a three-year starter then? 
Yep, yep. I started three years at center uh, and then two years on the defensive line as well. So that was um, junior and senior year, started defense. Both ways. Mm -hmm. I was trying to do my research. Two-time All-State, right? Mm -hmm. Nice, yep. man. Yep. And you, so how long did you wrestle for? What about wrestling? So wrestling was like the complete opposite for me. So modern day is a huge wrestling school. Um, we won uh, like seven titles in a row back in the 2000s. Uh, had some, had a four-time state champion, Blake Maurer. Had, I mean, just some incredible wrestlers that went through. And so I grew up watching it, but not necessarily wrestling. Um, you know, wrestled for a couple of years in grade school, but never really took to it. Um, and then whenever I stopped growing height-wise, I realized I wasn't going to play basketball. So sure. um, I, uh, I ended up switching over from basketball after my freshman year to sophomore year wrestling. Got it. And that was – that's a sport that is um, about as intense as it gets shoot um i mean you better be in shape to to wrestle that's for sure right i have nothing but the utmost respect for wrestlers and mm -hmm. honestly you know I, I witnessed it through high school i think i was too soft for wrestling from day one <laughs> that's the truth but witnessing from high school but when i got when, when i got to purdue and you see these wrestling guys man oh. just like i mean it's big 10 wrestling mm -hmm. I mean, unreal the work they go through yep you know, I obviously I know the work that football players go through, man, mm -hmm. but it was uh, it's unmatched for sure on the wrestling side. So, I mean, for that kind of attitude wise and, and really what give me an idea of what it did for you as far as that combo with sports. There are so many benefits to wrestling. I mean, especially for alignment. I mean, there, it is sure. it is all hand fighting. Uh, it's all, you know, getting used to being out of position and, you know, body control and um, I mean, it is, it is uh, a great, great tool for, to, for defense or offensive linemen. I mean, that is just, you can't, can't beat that kind of training in the off season. Right. There's no doubt. I, I bet. I bet. Um, okay. So we move into obviously a big piece for me is just to kind of go through some stories with the recruiting mm -hmm. world or how high school to college happened. So mm -hmm. when was the first time that I guess college football was a reality for you in your head? Like, did you always know that that was going to happen or when did Not it pop up for you? Yeah. So I actually, um, you know, I, when I got done, I mean, I didn't really get recruited hardly at all out of high school. Sure. Um, you know, a couple small division three kind of um, opportunities, but I, you know, I'd always wanted to go to Purdue. I was, came from a Purdue family. Right. Um, both mom and dad went to Purdue. My older brother was at Purdue at the time. And, and that was just where I was going to go. Um, and so I went up there originally just to be a student. I mean, I, I don't even know, um, my coach, high school coach may have sent my, you know, film along for them, yeah. you know, just as a courtesy kind of thing to try to get a walk on spot. Um, but really it wasn't even, uh, on the radar that much. And then I got up there and, uh, and, and decided I had found out about when the tryout was actually going to be and, you know, thought, okay, I'll just do it once and see right. if, you know, anything crazy happens, that kind of thing. Okay. How'd you find out? Like, what was literally, how'd you find out that? Tryout? You know, I, I think I probably looked at, I think I probably Googled it. You know, I, sure. I don't remember exactly um, who, you know, told me, but I kind of just, I'd always known those, there's, you know, just generally tryouts for that. Right. Um, and so I, uh, I think I probably just Googled it and found the date and yeah. signed up or however it worked. I don't really even remember. So what but year I, was this? This would have been, so it would have been the 2008-2009 season. Okay. So and that was the last, so Tiller's last Tiller's year. Last year, yep, yep. Okay. And so I, uh, I did the, the sign-up process, the application process. Um, always helps us if you have a good GPA uh, going into it. So luckily I had that on my side. Uh, yep. Also had the wrestling experience and was able to put down some of the, uh, some of the team accolades and individual accolades had in that, which uh, I'm sure never hurts anything. Um, and I had actually put down that I was going to try out for center because I always thought that was my better position. Sure. Um, and so went out that day and, you know, there was, I don't know, 50, 100 kids out there. I don't really know. Right. And, uh, and, you know, they put you through some drills and, you know, you're doing some stuff. And, uh, you know, you're looking around and, like, I felt like, okay, at least I'm, like, fairly coordinated compared to some of the other <laughs> ones out here and, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. And so I'm like, okay, you know, you never know. But I uh, didn't think much of it. And um, they kind of have every, huddle everybody up like, hey, we'll, we'll let you guys know and, you know, you know, we'll get back with you in the next week or so. Right. And I'm walking off the field and uh, Joel Thomas pulled me aside. He was the walk-on coordinator at the time. He's now the running back coach for the Saints, I believe. Yep, absolutely. And he stopped me and he said, hey, 
I know you tried out for offensive line, but like we need some bodies for defensive line. Would you be willing to do that? And uh, and I was like, yeah, of course, yeah, whatever right. you know, whatever you need, I'd be happy to. And and so literally left the field that day knowing that they were going to let me on the team as a walk on on defensive line. And so wow. it was just that awesome feeling. I mean, to grow up a Purdue fan your entire life um, and uh, and love Purdue. Um, and not really thinking I had a shot at, you know, having that opportunity ever. Right. Um, it was a really cool thing. And I remember calling dad on the way home because he's always, you know, a huge Purdue fan and just being kind of just ecstatic to tell him that I already found out that I was going to make the team. So it was really, really cool. That's so cool. And literally that was going to be my question if you remembered like calling your family and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So yep. that's so yep. cool. It was amazing. That's awesome, man. Awesome. So, you know, that's your freshman year. I mean, you mm -hmm. went the whole time, the whole whole career there. So, and to illustrate this, I, I think this is important too. So I get a lot of questions and I talk with a lot of kids that, you know, that might be juggling the idea of walking on at a school mm -hmm. like Purdue or a Big mm -hmm. Ten University or, you know, a huge football program mm -hmm. or taking an opportunity at a Division three school or a smaller university and, and really getting in there or being a a bigger role player, I guess you could mm -hmm. say. Um, you already had it figured out that you were going to Purdue as far as the education goes, and that was the plan. But what do you think as far as somebody trying to make that decision, uh, coming from someone from your experience? I mean, just give me a little idea about the walk-on mm -hmm. experience versus going to a smaller school and being the guy there, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's really tough. And I think it comes down to each person, what they want to do and right. how they want to you know, be a part of the program. Um, you know, for me, I, I mean, I think all high school kids that end up on, you know, uh, whether that be division one or division three schools, you know, they were kind of one of the guys at their high school, you know, right. they, like they were one of the studs at their high school and they were, they're used to that. And right. so going to that walk on position, I mean, it is a big change um, from what you were used to in high school. That's just no doubt about that. One, you're going back to just being a freshman, but two, I mean, a lot of times you're, um, you know, you are, there's a reason you didn't maybe get, you know, recruited at that position. And so sure. um, it's, it's, it's an uphill battle to, uh, to, you know, um, to say the least. So I think that there's a ton of benefits to that. And I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about that more of just like, um, you know, being the underdog, like learning to scrap and work for everything you get. And, um, you know, there's a ton of benefits and a ton of things you learn and take that with you from that throughout the rest of your life. But right. um, I think it's uh, it's a um, really unique opportunity to be able to be in that kind of position and just learn how to contribute in any way you can. You know, I, I was never going to really make a meaningful contribution on the field, um, but I think I did help in a lot of other ways, you know, just um, being somebody that uh, was a good teammate in the locker room that worked hard in practice and, you know, got people good quality reps and things like that, you know, right. just learning to be a part of a team, uh, especially if you've come from high school where, you know, you were the guy and, you know, you've had that side of things. It's awesome to be able to see the other side of things and, uh, yeah. and learn that, that role as well. Sure. That's huge. That's huge. What, um, and, and that too, I think it takes, like you said, I mean, it takes, it takes some humility, right? Cause you're mm -hmm. showing up where you were the guy at your school and you're, I mean, you're at the, the bottom of the total pole at yeah. this point. So freshman, I mean, uh -huh. and you said it the right way. Coach Thomas mentioned, hey, we need bodies. And literally, mm -hmm. I mean, I lived that life too. It's like, that's what you are is a yeah. body. And, uh, you know, you've got to be able to take instruction and, and be productive in, in what mm -hmm. you're doing. And uh, so that's important to have that attitude to be able to soak that in and play that role, right? Yep. Yep. Every team needs that. And I really think there is value in – um, in that role. I mean, giving the, the starters reps, um, you know, and there's a chance down the road that you're going to get your opportunity too. Sure. And I mean, you live that um, to a T, sure. but, but I mean, that just wasn't my, uh, my role to play. And, uh, you know, I not, not to say I didn't work for it or I didn't, you know, put the effort forward, but right. it just wasn't my role to play. And so, um, you know, I, I enjoyed my time there. I mean, just, just the friendships you make are just incredible. Um, you know, just, just being able to be immersed in that kind of atmosphere from people right. of all kinds of different backgrounds, all kind from all over the country and just being one locker room and just kind of come together as a team is an incredible place to be. No doubt. And you don't, you don't understand that experience with those relationships until you're done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think in the professional world and grown up world, like now you're connecting with these guys in different cities. So mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. 
What uh, give everybody an idea about the D line room? I mean, some of the guys that you played with mm -hmm. and saw come through those years. That has to be crazy. It is. I mean, there was a one D line starting D line where they were all in the NFL at one time. I mean, it right. just was a it was a packed room full of studs. Um, we obviously had Kerrigan there uh, for three years while I was there. Um, and just just the kind of person he is, you know, and the kind of work ethic he has, um, it just makes everybody around him better. And uh, he was just that kind of guy um, and just a special talent, special motor. I mean, just just incredible to be around. Um, and then we had KK, Quan Short, uh, who is now with the Panthers. I mean, has had an incredible run in the NFL. Uh, just just those two guys alone. And then you just throw Mike Meal on top of there. Yeah. Um, and you know, tons of other great, great athletes as well. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a full room. That's for sure. And we're talking, I mean, you said like 2009, 2010, these guys are still going in the NFL and strong, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's, uh, that is, it's unheard of for a lot yeah. of people. And there's plenty of people from Purdue to have that background or mm -hmm. longevity, I guess you could say. Um, so you mentioned that, obviously being around those guys. And here was my theory. I remember my family and friends always used to ask me, like, what it took for somebody to be, like, to separate themselves, like a Kerrigan mm -hmm. or KK or something like that. So there were guys that their talent alone got them to that room, mm -hmm. right? So they had their scholarship offer. They're, here, they're there in that defensive line room. But those people that have both the talent and that, and that motor, that work mm -hmm. ethic, those are the guys that separate themselves and really are the elite. Um, talk a little bit about that. Like, you, yeah, I know you mentioned it, but just yeah. what separated those kind of guys. It's just interesting. I mean, sometimes you can almost even see it just click for somebody, mm -hmm. you know, where that, that comes together, where that talent and then that work and that finally just getting it comes together. Right. Um, I think KK probably fit that mold. I mean, he was um, his freshman year, he came in with all that talent and a ton of, you know, and he, but he had to get in shape. He had to get, you know, and, and kind of get to that point where it could click together and he could um, make those meaningful contributions. But, um, and then other players, you know, somebody like Ryan, he just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds. And sure. he just keeps adding on tools, like keeps adding on moves. I mean, I remember um, just the, the technical aspects of the game. He kind of had picked up over the years and just absorbed. I mean, just, just listen to him talk, you know, pass rushing moves, um, was just kind of on a different level than a lot of us were thinking at the time, you know? Um, sure. And so that was a ton of fun, but um, you know, those, those guys, they're just, yeah, they, they have that innate ability, but a lot of it comes from how willing they were to work and um, you know, to take that ability and take it to the next level. No doubt. Amazing. I, there's mm -hmm. one thing that pops out with me, number one with Kerrigan, how, so if for, People that don't know, so I was – Brad and I crossed paths when I was a grad assistant coach at Purdue when he was a player. So mm -hmm. we're kind of in the same same world in different roles. But mm -hmm. I yep. remember uh, – so I was a grad assistant on offense, and basically we couldn't – the first offense couldn't go against the first defense or unless Kerrigan was out. You know yep. what I mean? So if we wanted to get – and I coached the tight ends. So we're going up head-to-head -head yeah. with Gabe Holmes and Crosby Wright and Sims and all them, mm -hmm. and we couldn't, get, we couldn't get reps off, especially we had some young guys at a point at tight end, but we couldn't get productive reps on offense mm -hmm. if Kerrigan was in there with the first team. So I know they switched that off yeah. and had him go at second team and things like that. And then there's, uh, there's one point he was, he was injured for a little bit. I don't know when it was, but – he was over with uh, in the sled, like the five-man sled, and we're doing reps. You know, the whistle's going off, regular practice going off, and all you hear is just explosions on the sled. <laughs> boom, boom, and you look over, and it's freaking Kerrigan, man, looking like Superman, like his nickname. Um, just the unreal motor and work ethic and just strength all together. Craziness. Yeah, I remember. I mean, we used to always do, obviously, the one-on-one -on -one pass pro drills. Um, with the offensive line and every time like the scouts would be there you know right, they right. wouldn't stand there right there and watch you watch him not me watch <laughs> him you know do his reps they'd be kind of across the practice like you know acting like they weren't paying attention but you'd sure. always see him you know watch whenever it was his turn and just guy like that he would never lose a rep you know in practice like he was never taking a playoff um, all practice long he was never going to let somebody um, beat him that that you know he knew that he could beat and so I mean 
he just rarely lost in those kind of situations. I think that just that kind of mentality and attitude um, helps drive him to the next level as well. No doubt. Well, like you said, I mean, some of the things that just generally rub off on you when you're in a room like that or around people like that, what, uh, and you don't realize it until you hit real life, right? So you're out there. And for me, like, I'm in, I'm in a career in HR now, right? So I was a coach in a while, a coach for a while. And it's just such a hostile environment. I mean, there's testosterone flying mm-hmm. everywhere. And, you know, stuff's nerve wracking. So now mm-hmm. I'm in a I'm in the professional world. And things go wrong where certain people in the office, it's like, it's crazy, and they can't handle it. But for mm-hmm. me, it's like, this is nothing, you know, yeah. as far as what's going on. And, and football, that was obviously the probably the most important thing that football gave me was just the thick skin and being able to to battle through some things so you want to build on that and kind of what that what you built on from that Mm -hmm. experience yeah I mean so much of it comes down to just the hard work and um that you know that it takes to compete at a level like that is um you know you just get used to it and you're you know know that that's um the kind of thing that builds on success um, you know, just, just things like, you know, being willing to prepare for your opponent, you know, and, right. and you think about that and you think it's a very like football specific thing, but then, you know, just in a pizza restaurant, like we got to prepare for the day the same way, you know, like sure. we got to be ready to go when those customers come in. And like, that's kind of just a mentality that, you know, um, I try, you know, we try to bring too. Um, but, and I think a lot of it too, is just like, just little things like time management skills, um, right. you know learning how to, to work a schedule and, and fit a lot of different moving pieces into it. Um, you know, the, the team, the teamwork aspect of it and just, you know, interpersonal getting to, uh, to, to be around a lot of different people that, you know, come from different backgrounds. And sure. um, for me, it was extremely important. So there are just so many benefits to it. And I, you know, I think that it had a huge impact, um, you know, on my, on my career now for sure. Sure. That's great. Well, moving into that transition, getting into the big time, and I'm, I'm excited to hear kind of because I don't know the details. So right. tell me a little bit. So you were in, it was, it was hospitality tourism management, right? right. HTM. That was that Cranard or no? That wasn't Cranard. No. Okay. So it was in health and human sciences. And right. um, it was kind of one of those majors that I just had always had an interest in food. Um, my dad was an engineer. My older brother was an engineer. My mom was a computer science person. So it's not like, you know, this was in our family or in in any way, but I love to cook. I love being around restaurants. I loved, you know, being around food and I found out about this major and just felt right, like the right fit for me going into college. And, um, and so I started that, uh, as a freshman and then it was about junior year, I think. Um, so I was living with Crosby Wright. You mentioned him earlier. Um, and he was in uh, he was in Craner, so he was in business um, school or management school. And then he was also in uh, entrepreneurship, um, and they had a certificate program, which is something that's unique at Purdue, or at least it was at the time. Um, so what it was, it was a certificate program. So it was open to all majors. So instead of it being a part of the business school where it's only really business students making it into that, um, there were students from all majors. And so it was a really fun mix. And so he got me involved in that. Um, I started taking those classes my junior year. Um, and, um, and I had a professor, his name's Mike Cassidy there. Uh-huh. And he talked about being different in what matters. That's like his thing about entrepreneurship. You got to find a way to be dwim, different in what matters. And, uh, and, and that really struck me because, you know, I'm thinking about restaurants all the time. So I'm like, it's so hard to be really unique and different in a restaurant setting whenever, you know, there's like, when I came back here to Evansville to start a pizza restaurant, there are 120 other pizza restaurants already in Evansville. Wow. So how do you set yourself apart and be really unique and different in ways, not just to be unique and different, but they've got to be in ways that matter to your customers. And so that really struck me. Um, and at the time I was um, really getting into pizza. I was making pizzas out of my, my house at Purdue. Um, I would actually have, had, had, by the way, that was my first experience. You remember, I've been in your house. Yep. And you've cooked pizza early, in the early, early stages. Mm-hmm. So yep. I love being a part of that. And somehow sure. I was there and tasted yeah. some. I mean, we had a couple of those, we had, you know, 15, 20 guys. I made a ton of pizza and we, uh, everybody throwing five bucks, you know, to cover ingredients. And it was, uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, so that's really one of the things that really got me hooked on. Okay. I want it to be pizza. I love, you know, love doing this and, uh, and then trying to figure out how to be different ways that matter to our customers. And so I thought about myself, like, how do I like to go out to eat? Where do we like to go? Um, and at Purdue Chipotle was one of those main places, you know, I love, 
the quality of the food. I love, I hate onions. So I love not like watching what goes in my burrito, making sure there's sure. no onions going in my burrito. <laughs> Uh, and so I love that style of service, but at the time there was really nothing like that for pizza. And, uh, and so that was kind of that spark of the idea and, um, you know, took it back to my, my entrepreneurship professor, Mike Cassidy there. And he just, he was just so encouraging of it. And he, he encouraged me to enter it into the business plan competition. And that's what I ended up doing. That's great. So, I mean, was that a solo project? Do you have other group members or how did that break down? Yeah. So I ended up doing it as a solo, uh, kind of a flying solo, uh, in there. And, you know, I, looking back, I, uh, I didn't know any different and I just thought, you know, this is kind of my idea. So I'm going to go for it and see what happens. Um, typical college student fashion. I forgot to, um, turn it in until the very last minute, got a reminder (laughs) email the night before, Hey, you need to turn this in, you know, the first kind of stage of the the project. Uh, so luckily was able to procrastinate some and get that, that on, uh, through the next round. Um, but then ended up, yeah, putting a lot of effort into it and made it to the finals and, um, you know, a bunch against a bunch of other really just unique ideas. And so it's just such a cool thing. And, and I think one of the things I said at the time was like, it's just something so simple. Like it takes 10 seconds to explain it. It's basically, you know, personal size pizza made right in front of you baked in two and a half minutes. I mean, to sure. be able to really boil something down your idea to this just really um the the core elements and be able to explain that to somebody really quickly i think was a big benefit for me and no doubt and correct me if i'm wrong and i remember some of this because i was there when this all happened Mm -hmm. but everybody else in the contest it was these like advanced ideas right Mm -hmm. we're talking about purdue the research at university Mm -hmm. and everything's so advanced and here comes here you come with this simple idea boiled down like you said and that was the one that got it you know yeah i think there's something to be said for you know keep it simple stupid like don't you don't have to overthink everything um but but being you know unique and different in those couple ways um that can really set you apart so i think that's what we've been able to do that's great Mm -hmm. okay so you take you you win that uh, contest Mm -hmm. competition Mm -hmm. get a nice a nice chunk of money i guess with that Give me a, what's the roadmap? How do you go from a business project, a class project or whatever you want to call it to literally opening up a store in your hometown? How, what's, how does that all come together? It's a lot of steps. I mean, it is like, it, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you just kind of have to break it down into piece by piece. Like, what do you got to do next? What do you got to do next? And just right. work towards those smaller goals. Cause if you look at it as a whole, it's just so overwhelming. So a couple of the things I think that went our way or went my way whenever we were deciding to do this, that, that really helped me get it off the ground. Um, one, I, um, you know, turned down a different job offer, you know, to work for another restaurant group to do this. And so I, I was all in on that idea from the very beginning. I mean, I not, don't get me wrong. I came back to Evansville and I, you know, took a job in a restaurant, but it wasn't like, I'm like starting this career and I'm going to sure. like, you know, still work on this idea I have, but like, you know, it's kind of going to be on the back burner. Like, I'm, you know, made sure that I, uh, I burned that bridge with the other restaurant company and said, I'm going to go do my own thing. Like, oh, I'm, no. do it. And, a, I'm sorry. Well, I'm just curious because this is a huge piece too, for those that are starting things up and kind of taking that leap. What about like what your family say, you know what I mean? Your parents like, Hey, you got through school, you got your degree and now I want to start from scratch and, mm-hmm. and go from zero. Yeah, my, it's interesting because my family's not entrepreneurial or wasn't before all of this. I mean, my dad worked at Me Johnson um, here in Evansville for 35 years, wow. um, you know, and, and this and my mom is, you know, the most conservative, uh, you know, uh, frugal person you'll ever meet. And so, <laughs> you know, this was not something that um, came real naturally to them. Um, but I'm so fortunate and just just very blessed to come from a, a family that could support me and help me. Um, you know, go for a dream like this. And, and, and so that's just a huge blessing that I have um, and very, very fortunate. But, but we also, at the same time, we knew, okay, like if, if AZIP went under, like, you know, I personally, I'm going to be okay, but like, it's going to, you know, my parents are signing on the line with me. So like, right. it's going to take a hit to their, you know, retirement savings and things like that. Like sure. it, there was, it was not without its risk. And so that's one of the things that we were able to do is start it really small. Um, you know, the first store was, was started on a shoestring budget. You know, I was in there doing construction work illegally. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, I was tearing down walls. I was doing everything I could to help save money. 
Um, and so we really started on a shoestring budget and just really, um, you know, wanted to test the concept in a small way, you know, like right. now, you know, we, we go into a new location and it might be 22, 2,500 square feet. You know, we have two ovens, we've got, um, you know, all the things that, you know, we've built up to over time. But when we first started, it was like, okay, how can we start this? We've got one oven, you know, we're in, you know, 1400 square feet. Like, let's just test the concept and see if it works. Sure. Is, was there anything specific as far as the technology or oven or something that was specific to you guys? There was a few new pieces of equipment that were just kind of coming onto the market that were, um, they were considered ventless ovens. So okay. they didn't have to have a type one hood over to cook pizza. Um, which type one has the Ansel system and has all the exhaust venting outside and all this stuff. So ours didn't technically have to have that. Um, and so that helped us, you know, especially from the beginning. Um, plus some of the, this uh, impinger technology where it's blowing air from the top and bottom wow. um, has really sped up how quickly you can cook a pizza in just a conveyor style oven. Right. Um, and so we just basically, you know, bought the oven that, that we thought we'd need and, uh, and just cranked it up as hot as we could get wow. it. And, you know, you know, just figured out how to make the recipe work from there. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so what would be, I guess, what was your first hire? So and here's what I want to get to, like your skill set, your strength, mm -hmm. and then where, where you supplemented, I guess, in your planning. I mean, your first hire or how you built your small team originally. Yeah, so I am a hundred percent a. Um, I'm a big picture guy. I'm a dreamer. I'm a, uh, you know, I like to uh, to chase after that idea I have. Right. Um, and so that is a hundred percent my personality. But I'm not always one that um, is great at, um, you know, uh, completing that really, you know, uh, mundane task over and over and over again. Right. You know, like I think we're looking in the mirror, man. Yeah, me for sure. Yeah. So that's, that's my skill set. And so I was really trying to surround myself um, with other people that are like that. But then my first hire was uh, the chef who is very, very much like me. So I think that first hire was like both of us. Then once we came together, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't even say hire cause he's a part owner in Azip, but Blake Kelker uh, was the first one that kind of joined me on this. And, um, and, and so it was like the two of us were just like, you know, we just get after things and we'd like, you know, chase that, um, that high of, of going after and completing some tasks and, you know, having fun and being creative and um, doing all those things. I mean, that's, that was just right up my alley. That's awesome. But then later as we've grown, we've had to add a lot of pizza. I mean, like the rest of my, a whole rest of my family is like completely different for me. They're the, the structure. They're the ones that'll complete the task every time. Right. Um, and, uh, and so all, all, both my brothers now work for AZIP and mom and dad work for AZIP. So we've got a lot of that structure built in now. That's so cool. That's mm -hmm. so cool. What, um, because my interest is in the marketing world, you know, marketing side of things and how you grow that brand, yep. which I think AZIP is just an awesome brand where I guess who takes that over or, you know, how do you put together a plan for that? Like you said, you started small. So is it more kind of small thought as far as word of mouth, good pizza, good experience, or, what was, I guess, the strategy behind all that? Yeah, I think just overall first in the name. I mean, the name yeah. can be so important, you know, and, and what we wanted to do with AZIP was I wanted to come up with a, um, a word that was like something that we could assign value to, right? Like I didn't wanted something that meant nothing to anyone. And, and I think right. AZIP is definitely that. So AZIP is pizza spelled backwards. Um, I didn't want it to be, you know, Brad's Pizzeria or, you know, some Italian word, you know, I mean, it's just like, I just wanted something we could put value to. And, uh, and so I was in the car one day with mom and uh, we were talking through different names, kicking different things around. I was telling her that kind of stuff. And she said, what about pizza spelled backwards? And as soon as I heard Azip, it just stuck like that. That's it. You know, that's, yeah. that's the name. Um, and so uh, I just really love how, how we've been able to, to make a word that meant nothing, you know, have a lot of value to people now sure. and, and mean something to people. And so that's been really cool. Um, and so as we've grown, I've taken on a lot of the marketing responsibilities because I enjoy that. Um, you know, I kind of created the first little uh, proof for the first AZIP logo, you know, with the, the, the word board and backwards. And, yeah. um, and, and so I've really um, done a lot of that throughout, throughout my time with AZIP of uh, trying to kind of push the brand and, and be creative and, and keep trying to um, make it mean something to people. Right. Very cool. Very cool. What, um, 
okay, so now, now it's time to scale, right? So mm -hmm. you're going from, for, did you have all, is it three locations in Evansville? So we have, uh, yeah, we have three in Evansville and then one in Newburgh, which is just outside. So the Newburgh one was actually the second one. Okay. And, gotcha. and just like classic me to, uh, you know, I opened the first one and things are going well for the first, you know, three months. And we signed a lease for a second one almost immediately. I mean, just no wow. forethought put into it. No, hey, let's try this for a year and make sure it's right. still working. Like, nope, let's sign a lease for another one and we'll go see how that works. And so um, doing that so quickly, though, I mean, it, there are a lot of benefits to it. I mean, we very quickly had to learn, okay, how do we train a manager? You know, before right. I was there all the time. And so um, how do we train a manager and how do we, uh, you know, hire people when we're not there all the time? How do we get processes in place to train new employees? How do we, you know, all those things. I mean, that, that first restaurant, it was just like, we were all just thrown into the fire and you just got to figure yeah. it out. And yeah. so, okay, the second one, the third one, you got to start putting some processes and some things in place um, so that this thing can be sustainable. So that very quickly, I mean, we were, we had the second one, we opened the first one in February um, and the second one was open by September. Um, and so wow. it was a, just an incredible uh, whirlwind of a first year. I got married that year. Um, we bought wow. our first house that year. My wife graduated uh, grad school that year. I mean, we just had a, a whirlwind. That's great. Mm -hmm. um what when i guess when was or if i don't know if there is but those procedures where you've created the machine where now you open the doors and this is what you have to do to get a shot a place up and running mm -hmm. number one is it in place i guess and when <laughs> did you come together with that it's been a process over time i mean i wouldn't say we've got this ironclad perfect system for doing mm -hmm. this yet um, I mean, we're getting closer and closer, but it is a, it is a process. I mean, you get one piece in place um, and then you got to put your eyes on in the next one. Like what, what's the next thing that's going to help us be stable, be a, you know, a, a business that can, can continue to grow um, and, and just try to put those pieces in place one at a time and just um, kind of be patient and know that you can't do everything right at the very beginning. You've got to, you got to take your time and kind of do those one at a time. Very cool. The one thing I caught of one of your videos, I, uh, mm -hmm. so I'm obviously in the HR side of things with the human mm -hmm. piece. Yep. And one thing you said on your videos, the employee experience is the customer experience. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. Uh, you know, explain that a little bit, a little bit what that means. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're only as good as our, you know, worst employee, um, okay. just same as a football team in a lot of ways, but um, you know, whenever our customers come into the AZIP, like, their, their experience of what AZIP is, is 100% influenced by what that employee's attitude is like for their visit. And so um, if we've, we've done, we've seen, we do a, um, an all employee survey twice a year. Um, so we kind of gauge, you know, what the environment, what the culture in each store is like. Um, and we are able to, to tell those, those surveys directly correlate with um, the customer service uh, responses that we get for those stores. Wow. So the better the employee survey is about what, how they feel like the culture and environment is in the store, how well, you know, they feel like their team's working together, all those things directly correlate with what that guest sees as the customer service as well. So sure. a team that's engaged and having fun while they go to work, um, that stuff shows through to the customers. And so we want to have a great employee experience. So we do things like we start at $11 an hour is our starting wage for, for all team members. Um, every, every new hire gets a, a new hire kit where they get their shirts, but then some, you know, some coupons to give out to family and friends, some oh, stickers, yeah. some, um, you know, an A-Zip cup and just fun stuff to be able to have. Um, and we try to do like little things like that to really welcome them to the team and show them that they're valued here and we want them to be here. Um, and so there's a lot of things like that, that we try to do to make it a great employee experience because we know it starts there if they're sure. if they're on you know the same page with the rest of their team if they're in there having fun and they're um you know enjoying what they're doing that genuine um enjoyment of their job shows through to the customer and so we're able to uh to then capitalize on that what a what a huge indicator and for an organization and, and a leader to understand that from the get-go it's so important that's huge yeah I mean, I, and, and this is, this comes from both my brothers, um, bring so much of this too. Sure. Um, it's definitely not all me. Uh, we, uh, you know, we've, we've had our bumps along the road and, you know, learning experiences. 
Um, and, and really it takes some time to figure out, okay, what type of employee do you really want in your business? And, um, you know, is it just a hard worker? Is that the only thing that's going to be, you know, what you're going to be looking for? Um, for us, you know, industry experience really isn't that necessary. We can train them how to make a pizza, but that attitude and and coming in and, you know, putting the guests first, that's the kind of stuff that you can't train. Um, and so those, those are the, the qualities that we're looking for in our employees. Okay, you, you mentioned adversity. I want to finish, I guess, with this. Give me, give me some adversity or what's the, you know, you're in that big operation phase. Mm-hmm. Where was there a point where you said, we're in a little bit of trouble here or kind of what was a big yeah. piece of that? So uh, one of the biggest uh, times of adversity we faced was, um, you know, expect, we went through some adversity trying to find the first location and, you sure. know, we, we had some bumps along the road. It took us two, almost two years after school to actually get that first location open. Wow. So there were, there were some bumps along the road there, but I think the one that I'll um, point to is um, we were about uh, a year and a half or two years in when we opened the Champaign, Illinois location. Right. So we had two, two locations here in town and we were opening a third and we just kept hearing from everybody, college town, you got to do college town. This is perfect right. for on campus. And so we wanted to do either Lafayette or Champaign or Bloomington. And so we looked at all the locations and ended up finding a spot on campus at U of I uh, in, in Champaign. And, uh, and, and that store was just a struggle. I mean, it, it, we, we had struggled with some um, finding the right management team for it up there. Um, we, um, you know, we just, we just never clicked there with the students. Um, one, we didn't, we didn't want to stay open late, which I know kind of goes against what college right. students like, right. but we didn't want to be the place open till 3 a.m. You know, kids come in sloppy drunk and, yeah. you know, yeah. it's just not somewhat some, an environment that we'd want to work in. So we didn't want to put our teams through that. And so, right. um, so we, we, you know, kind of felt our way through that one and, and, and really struggled there. Um, and that was probably the biggest point of contention with uh with some of our you know ownership and my brothers and mom and dad and it was you know what do we do about this store and and at the time we decided to uh end up cutting bait we were about two years into that but it felt like it just didn't anchor on us you know it was like one that wasn't working um you know things weren't going well we felt like um couldn't find the right leader for the store um and and so we we decided to make the really hard decision like let's just close this store. Like let's focus on the stores that are, that are doing well for us um, and try to move forward from there. Um, And we learned a ton from that experience just about um, you know, how important getting a a culture of the store off on the right foot from the beginning, because once it's established, it's so hard to change it. And, and you just um, you know, trying to make those initial hires, the right kind of people, um, right, from the right. get-go is so important. And so that's that's something we really focus on now, trying to find those right people, find those right leaders for our stores, um, because that is such an important thing uh, for any business or any team or any anybody is um, what, what that culture and that environment in the store is like. Yeah, and such an important lesson too on like when to decide to punt, I guess, if yeah. you will, when to, when to punt mm-hmm. and move on to your strengths and focus on where your strengths are. And uh, I think that's huge that a lot of people struggle with and, and, and to prove that it's going to be a success or something like that mm-hmm. and yeah. dig themselves a deeper hole. Yeah, it, it is really, it was a tough decision. And we, sure. we went back and forth on it for months and months. And, you know, it's, it's not something that's fun to do. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we, you know, had to do what was best for, you know, AZIP long-term going forward. And I think we were able to do that and take a lot of lessons from it. I mean, it wasn't a total waste. We, we took a ton of lessons from it. That's for sure. Huge. Yeah. So 10 locations. All right. So here we are, 10 locations. Finally, well, you're in Indy. When did that open up in Indy or Greenwood, right? Yep. Yep. It's, it's kind of technically on the South side of Indy. Um, just, just on the North side of the County line road there. Um, and it opened in June. Um, so we, uh, we were planning to open in March. Um, and then, uh, as you may know, we, uh, are now facing a, a global pandemic right, that, right. that, uh, really threw a wrench in our plans. Crazy. Um, yeah. and so there was just, you know, there's been so many changes since, since, uh, COVID hit. Um, but, uh, but we ended up opening in June and it's off to a great start. We've got a ton of awesome customers there already. 
Um, it was great because we were, so we were already in Lafayette, Bloomington and Terre Haute. Um, so we kind of had Indy surrounded with a lot of the college towns. And so, you know, we had a ton of people traveling from Indy to those locations. We had people sure. from Evansville who have family, friends uh, in Indy. And I think there was just a lot of connection um, and just the whole, you know, Purdue, uh, Indiana, Evansville um, right. thing means a little more in Indianapolis than it would in another big city. So we felt comfortable going there. Um, doing our first major market in Indianapolis. Um, and we've been really excited about the response. I mean, people have been, uh, been really loving it. So it's been awesome. That's great. I'm happy for you. What, uh, I mean, next step vision, you mentioned long-term. So I'm kind of curious yeah. on what you see or what are the next yeah. steps raise it? When I, when I think about companies that I really respect and want to emulate, you know, I think about companies like an in and out out in California, okay. right? They're all company owned. They've grown, um, you know, over years and years of just doing one at a time. Um, they're, you know, throughout California and are very regional based. And I love that kind of thing. I mean, I think um, if, if AZIP could be a, uh, you know, really just Midwestern kind of company that people knew when they came to Indiana or Kentucky, you know, they could get AZIP. Um, I think that'd be a really cool thing. And so that's kind of the plan is just focused on, I mean, we're lucky here in Evansville. We've got uh, Indianapolis, Nashville, Louisville, and St. Louis all within about a three hour drive. Um, so we've got a lot of great opportunities to grow right here in our backyard. And so that's kind of the plan. That's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Listen, I, uh, I respect your story so much. I respect your, your background, the, the grind to where you are. I'm really happy for you. I'm rooting for you all the way. I hope you know that. Um, I think you know that. So uh, I, know that. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the time and uh, I wish you the best and hopefully we can connect some more, man. I'll definitely yeah. be down in Greenwood checking out the A's. I've been to Lafayette. That's the only spot I've been to so far. So. Well, great. Yeah. We, I love catching up. It was great talking to you. Um, and, uh, and, and this was fun. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. So thank awesome, you very man. much. Absolutely. Anytime, Brad. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Episode's over. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Listen, if you're still around and supporting us, man, I really appreciate it. Uh, it'd be great. Just hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and keep this thing going. A lot of things going on with Platform Sports League. Most immediate right now, January 15th kicks off our CEPSL, Collectively Evolving Platform Sports League High School Winter League. Okay. Seven on seven football. We are forming teams from all around the Indianapolis and even you know northern indiana southern indiana to come join us downtown actually not downtown uh, a little bit north uh at sports zone indy here in indianapolis for a four-week seven-on-seven league we got media coverage we got stat leaders standings players of the week highlights player interviews if you're interested or you know a team that's interested in forming and getting together and competing with the best indies finest around the area, uh, please reach out and let me know somehow, one way or another, um, you could find me. I appreciate you guys tuning in again, and let's keep this thing going. Thanks a lot. You guys have a good one.